This is the 77 WABC minicast. We have Thomas Kniff on to find out what the heck is going on with that Marine uh, that rescued that woman in the subway. Yeah, the hero Marine, Daniel Penny. Uh, Thomas, uh, give us the update because I saw that there's been some filings to, and your part to dismiss the case. Where's it stand and give us the latest? Yeah, the latest. <laughs> hey, Rita, hey, John. You know, the latest is we're doing the yeoman's work that no one ever talks about in the newspaper. Uh, you know, my, my, you talk uh, my about partner. it on WABC. Yeah, you know how much. I'm telling you, there are, I wish, I always say this, I wish there were Daniel Pennies every time I've been on the subway. <laughs> yeah, everyone watches these 30 minute legal dramas and waits for the case to get wrapped up in a week. But, you know, the reality is that, you know, for all those uh, glamorous moments in the courtroom, you spend, you know, a uh, hundred, you know, more hours uh, writing and researching and so forth. So, Stephen Razor and I and our team, you know, we've submitted about a, I think it was a, a 60 page motion a few weeks ago to, among other things, dismiss the indictment. Uh, the DA replied uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and we're putting in our uh, our reply to their reply, and, and we're supposed to be back in court on December 6th. Now, and now to Tom, decision. one of the things you brought up, and I saw in one of your filings, and I think it's an interesting point, is that they, that many of the people there were obviously felt terrorized by the situation and we're thankful that there was a Daniel Penny and just the amount of crime that's happening on New York City subways. Can, can you kind of explain how you use that as the basis um, for well, part well, of we, the? We were overwhelmed, Rita, because remember, a lot of people don't realize the defense is not in the grand jury. The grand jury is the district attorney's sandbox, which is why it's so easy for them to get an indictment in almost every case they, they, they present. So it's not until we get into the discovery phase that we got, you know, 550 pages of the transcript of the grand jury testimony. And, you know, we knew a lot of it was going to be favorable, but we could not have predicted how overwhelmingly favorable it was. I mean, there are people that testified. One person said they've been riding the subway for 30 years. Uh, A female said she had been personally accosted on the subway through the years, but was never so deathly afraid as when those doors closed and she heard Neely open his mouth and start threatening people. And, And she wasn't the only one. I mean, there's about a dozen people that echoed similar sentiments. So we were just blown away. And, and a lot of that, as you pointed out, is what we incorporated into our motion. So were, were there more eyewitnesses to have more come forward to also validate the Marines well, claims? So many have come forward. You know, what happened was we had, you know, we have a, obviously have a team of investigators that are very good. Um, but in the grand jury stage, we don't have access to any discovery. So we really had to, you know, we were flying blind. What happened was the case had gotten so much press attention and on a lot of the press, uh, you know, stories about it, they put up a number that if you have information, contact the district attorney's office, contact law enforcement. And many people did. I think it was about a dozen people that were on the subway train. And again, I mean, they were just overwhelmingly saying that, that you know, grateful our client intervened, scared. You know, they, one, one mother was on the train and she testified in front of the grand jury that she was with her son and they used the son's stroller to barricade themselves to, for her to try to protect her son from Neely, take him out of the stroller and hide behind the stroller. I mean, that is the sort of, you know, the thing that that that, that the grand jury witnesses testified to. Tom, it's uh, Richard Wamper. Good to talk to you again. Judge, how are you? Good. So if I recall the law correctly, there's a justification when you're protecting other people against this serious physical harm, isn't there? Well, absolutely, it's a justification, and, and not to get too wonky on the listeners, but, but an important thing to, to point out is once a justification or self-defense is commonly referred to, defense is raised, 
the prosecution has to affirmatively disprove it beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not for the defense to prove, at least in New York, that, that the defendant was justified. The prosecution has to prove that they weren't justified. And again, because, of, you know, the, 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 what the eyewitnesses accounts are so overwhelming in this case, uh, you know, ooh, I, I don't see how they could possibly do that. But, you know, time will tell. Tom, this is Pete King. You know, listening to you and what I follow the case, there's like any number of available defenses here. And it's beyond me how a district attorney could have indicted him. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but to me, this seems like this, this was uh, all cooked before the grand jury even met. I mean, everything you're saying, I understand, is exactly accurate. And any one of those will be a defense against this and uh, you know, why there should have been no true bill. Yeah, you know, I agree, Congressman. You know, it's, it's very hard to, to understand, uh, you know, why the grand jury would have indicted this case. However... You know, it goes back to what, you know, the, the former Chief Judge Walker said. Right. I think it's so often quoted, it's a cliche at this point. But, you know, you can die a ham sandwich. I mean, the grand jury is so one-sided that, you know, but for the fact that it's in the Constitution, you almost scratch your head and say, well, why do we even have them? Yeah, I was pointing more at the prosecutor of the grand jury. I mean, you know, they're, you know, they're being led by the DA, obviously. Now, one of the things yeah, that I, mean, I look, saw... That gets down to the presentation. You know, in other words... Yeah. Why even put this case into right. the grand jury? Now, one of the things and, that I saw, Tom, yeah. though, on the other side, I saw the defense file a motion saying, well, you know, because he's a trained military guy, he should have known. You mean the prosecution? I mean, the prosecution, right. forgive me, a prosecution saying that because he was a trained military guy, that he should have known that the chokehold was, you know, was a dangerous position. <laughs> how are you going to counter that? I mean, how else are you going to stop somebody? Well, what are you well, supposed you know, to say, hey, please Rita, stop? Yeah, you know, it, it's been countered already because then the reality mm-hmm. is that, you know, the, 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 the Danny's so, trainer, the guy who trained him in the Marine Corps testified in the grand jury and told and said, this was not a chokehold. This is a restraint move. First of all, a chokehold is, a, is taught in the Marines as a non-lethal device. It is a, it is a non-lethal restraint device. And if someone is in a chokehold, Eight to 13 seconds, they're unconscious. It's without question. Once the carotid arteries are are, uh, depressed, no one could have maintained consciousness uh, for more or can maintain consciousness more than 13 seconds. So we just know by virtue of the length of this encounter that there is no way that my client was uh, applying pressure to Neely's neck uh, or certainly not for any length of time. And that also is corroborated by the eyewitnesses on the train, multiple eyewitnesses say, look, you know, he, he wasn't squeezing. He was had his arm around his chest. He was just holding him. Neely kept resisting. Uh, you know, so, again, I, I mean, it's just it's all overwhelming. The other thing I also think about also um, and everybody, we're talking to the attorney for Daniel Penny, the Marine, the subway Marine for an update. Um, but, Thomas, you know, the other thing I think about, too, is that it also shows him saying um, hey, let's call 911, get the police, um, you know, uh, other people help me. So it it's not, uh, his actions don't belie somebody who was trying and to And other people are holding him as well, isn't that right, Tom? Right. Yeah, uh, uh, listen, other, two other passengers felt compelled to, to get involved because even with my client doing what he was doing, it was not enough <clears throat> to contain this guy. Um, also, oh, Tom, in racial it, terms, it, racial terms, one of those people holding is, is also African American, right? They're trying to make this a uh, racial crime. One of, at least one of which is, is a person of color. Right. Uh, another individual was a European national who, you know, 
after this, I was here on vacation or something and went back, went back to Europe and uh, wasn't interested in coming back for obvious reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, but, and, and, you know, and many of the eyewitnesses, uh, you know, in fact, the, the, the woman I quoted before, the 30 year, you know, she was in her 60s, uh, 30-year subway passenger. I, you know, herself had been victimized on the train, never so scared in her life. She's an African-American woman. She stayed on the on the platform after minutes, minutes later to thank my client and provided her information wow. to the police. Wow. Saying, you know, if you need anything, I'll tell you what happened here. Because she was so grateful for what my client did. And, and, and she did testify in front of the grand jury. And and repeated exactly that. So, Tom, Tom Kniff, thank you so much for uh, calling in today. Yeah, keep us posted. Great us job, posted. Tom. And uh, we'll talk. We have to go to a hard break, but we'll talk again real soon. All right. Always a pleasure, guys. Be well. Thank you. Thank you, Tom.